Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording from our 2021 Elul Learning Series. So I want to start uh, just with a question, which is just a survey question. Um, How many of us have um, found ourselves in the middle of Rosh Hashanah services saying words that we don't know what they mean, (laughs) or we've never looked at them before or uh, since last year. Yes. Anyone raise hands? Cool. So it's a common experience. I also raised my hand uh, many a time. Yeah. So the high holidays, um, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur especially, are times when um, we're confronted with liturgy and with services that um, we're not used to, and we didn't, we haven't seen in an entire year. Um, and so often, uh, I think, I think we come to shul. We have a lot of preparation. We're thinking about the high holidays. We're thinking about our own personal process of teshuva and of reaching out to people who we've hurt. Um, but we sort of are just going to kind of go along with the the, the ride of the um, of of the tefillah. Um, and we don't always get a chance. We don't think about it until it's kind of too late of, okay, what's different about this, uh, these services that we're about to enter into? And, um, and what do they have to say to us uh, additionally about the season itself and how we, can, how we sort of can see another view of what these holidays are about? Um, so some, uh, another, another question, this is more of a open discussion. People can, uh, answer at will. Um, when you think of the high holidays, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, what comes to mind? What are some ideas, things, concepts, thoughts, learning that you, that come to mind? Singing in a major key. Okay. Singing in a major key. Excellent. I love that, Orvin. Looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. Okay, so we have some in the chat also. Um, we have repentance. Okay, obviously. Great, Michael. That's, uh, that's a good one we want to focus on. That's what we think about a lot during the season. That's sort of a, the major theme. Um, Ashamnu. Okay, very good. So the the series of we have sinned we have transgressed etc when as we you know beat our chests or uh, or however people like to physicalize that um, great okay power exchange care to say more Tarin <laughs> we can we can always we can always count on Tarin for some interesting uh, dynamic answers yeah um, I mean when you think about it because like so much of the high holidays is about like how we don't have control and God has control or maybe like there's some negotiated, like we don't have power in some way and in other ways we do. So it's like that, but, but on some level, as much as it's like, we're in that headspace of like, Oh, we don't have power. And we're actually giving up that power on some level because we acknowledge that maybe that's not the best thing for us. So it's a power exchange then. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I think we'll see. That's really, really interesting and a great, a great comment. And, and I think we'll see some of those motifs as we dig uh, a little bit deeper. That's great. Okay. I also see Paula said shofar. Excellent. I'd also, I want both the interesting and the obvious. 
Um, good. Shofar. We, we blow the shofar um, for various reasons. It's Yom Truat, the day of the blasting, of, of the sounding of the blast of the shofar. Um, great. The tradition returning to the sounds and feelings of returning again. Excellent. So, so Nancy, you're talking about the the sounds of the day, right? The music, the shofar, the 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 um, you know the speeches, the divrei Torah, all that. Is that anything else I missed out on that? That's all good. Pretty much. Okay, great. And the feelings of returning again in that teshuva way, um, returning to your your best self, uh, trying trying to have a new start. Great. And then perfect, Michael. Just on on time. <laughs> starting anew in a new year. Right. Great. Excellent. So I want to note that, okay, connection to Hashem. Excellent. Eileen Wallen, holy person that she is, says connection to God and connection to Hashem. I love it. And now I'm like, now you're like a chassid in my mind. It's great. Um, so that's awesome. All of those are great. And I want to note, and I'm, I'm so glad that this worked out because you never know. Um, nobody said redemption of the world. I wouldn't have if I was surveyed, if I wasn't teaching this class. Um, and I think that's really interesting um, because we don't usually associate um, either messianic redemption or um, a kind of perfection of the universe, a world of justice and peace and righteousness um, with Rosh Hashanah. I mean, we certainly think about how we want to be more just and righteous, and caring, and generous, etc. But we're not really, Rosh Hashanah doesn't usually come up as like, like, this is going to be the time when the world is perfected, or made better, or, um, you know, that we've, we found a better way as a, as a global community. Um, great, can it be redeemed? <laughs> oh, good, apples and honey and cookle too, good, we shouldn't forget that, Paula, that's great. Can it be redeemed given what's going on in the craziness? Uh, that's a deeper question. Um, I think, you know, I believe it can. Um, and, you know, we, it's definitely true that we, we are seeing um, crazy times. There have been crazy times before. And, and part of it is the question of whether it matters. And we can talk about that, too, when we look at the text. Whether, it, whether we're specifically thinking that we're, that we're going to see this time, right? There's, there's the idea, and you may have heard it from some of the rabbis and also from our rabbi at Ziegler, Rabbi, rabbi Bradley Artson, Olam Haba is the world that is coming. And it, and it can't be the world that is coming to come if it, if it came. <laughs> if it arrived, it can't be the world to come, right? So it's the world that we're constantly striving for. We're striving to move f- closer to it. And we... We may not get there, but we're we're trying to, and the ideal is important for us. So we can. That's my that's my perspective. Great, Michael says the initiation of the season with late night slicha, which sets the mood for the days ahead. Great, that's also great. And Saturday night, um, I'll see some of you in LA. I'll, some of you uh, will see each other in New Orleans um, and and wherever else other folks may. And it's, and in New York, oh New York at the at the. Uh, Kane Street, right? Is that where you're going? No. Kane Street Shul? Awesome. Okay, so. Um, great. So so I just want to note that because the major Amidah, right? The Amidah being the standing prayer, um, which is thought of as the center of every service. Um, 
it's it's the thing that we're always moving up towards, and it's sort of the thing that um, gives us a frame for either the holiday, if it's a holiday or Shabbat, it gives us a frame for what are the ideas, what are we thinking about on that day, and if it's a weekday, you know, sometimes it's it's um, thinking about you know broader communal needs and personal needs. Um, but it is this moment where you're supposed to be communing personally with God. And the, the Amidah um, that, that we do personally is, is whispered or, or said quietly. Um, and that is really our moment to commune with God. And that is why it's sort of one of the major heights of every service. Um, and in Rosh Hashanah, one of the major things we see, other than the specific sanctification of the day, is this theme of redemption. So let's uh, look a little bit more into that. Uh, I'm going to share my screen for a sec. All right. Let's do Chrome. All right. And y'all let me know if you can see all of that. Everybody good? Okay, great. Okay, so great. So we're just going to point out a few of the um, the things that are different about the Amidah, a few of the lines that are different. Um, not all of them are exactly connected to redemption, but the main chunk is about that. Um, so does anyone want to read the first uh, the first edition? So this is the edition that comes after the Avot, the section about our ancestors and, uh, and God's kind of protection of us, um, which is also sort of about redemption. We'll bring a Redeemer for their children in love. Mom, go ahead. Uh, Remember us for life, King, who desires life, and inscribe us in the book of life for your sake, loving God. Excellent. And why don't you read uh, the next text, which is from Ezekiel, from the prophet Ezekiel, which is connected. For, For it is not my desire that anyone shall die, declares the Lord God, Repent, therefore, and live. Great. Okay, so this this is a little bit more of the traditional thing that we were talking about, of our own personal seeking life, seeking renewed life, and and you know acting better in our in our lives in the year to come. Um, and it's interesting because we we have this repetition of the need for life, zochreinu lechayim, remember us for life, the one who who uh, who desires life write us in the book of life, right? So this is a little bit more of the personal section um, and God who is the living God. So there's this beautiful trope and it's some of it, and it's based on, at least in part, this idea that Ezekiel wants us to live, right? Or no, at least Ezekiel says God wants us to live. God doesn't want us to die just because we were, you know, not as good as we could have been or, you know, frankly evil sometimes, Um God wants us to return and and uh, become better people and not perish. Okay, so that's one thing. Great. Um, let's just look at this other part, which comes after the next major blessing, which is um, about uh, God who brings life to to the dead, either either in a uh, literal or metaphorical sense. You can choose your choose your philosophy. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to say, anyone want to just read this um, this line um, right here? Oh, sorry, did people freeze? Was that me or was it? Okay. Anyway, did, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Y'all froze, and uh, I was confused and scared. Who is like you, merciful Father, 
who remembers his creatures for life in his mercy. Great. Okay. So this first, so these first two, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I thought maybe I missed and I was supposed to be the run above. Never mind. No, we can, we can bring you back for a little bit more in the more, uh, in the denser parts, but thanks for, for, for jumping in. Um, so yeah, so these first two are, are talking about this, this theme of God who remembers us for life, right? That we really want a better life. Um, that God is the God who is alive, is living in our lives. Um, and, and this one also brings to, brings the theme of the mercy that we hope that God will show us and God as parent, as father, um, who remembers us for life. So great. So those are our two themes. And then to, there are two beginning themes, which I think are a little more personal. And then as the Amidah goes on, uh, it starts to get global as it were. Um, great. So we're going to take a look at that next. Um, any any thoughts so far on those themes? Anything that like stuck out to you that s- surprised you or you hadn't thought about before? Um, if not, that's great because these ones are really we sing these all together. Yes, Taryn. I th- I think the thing that's pinging for me right now is just like this parallel between like God and ourselves in the Ezekiel text. It's like mm-hmm. as much as like. So much of the High Holidays is about God, but it's also about like us looking at it and being like, how are we going to, how are we going to step back and look at how we want to create our year and what we're going to be and what we're going to be held back by? Like, we don't, we don't desire to die. Like we, we, we desire to be alive, but sometimes we have limitations that make us feel like we're stuck in a place where like, only bad things are bad things are the only choice right but like the high holidays tell us that like yo step back like mm-hmm. there's a there's this reading for Unatana Tokef that like talks about like on Rosh Hashanah like it hold on a second let me get it on Rosh Hashanah is written Yom Kippur is sealed it's the 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 it's something a little bit more poetic than that. Oh, like we're 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 passed by as a flock. No, um, hold on. No, okay, I'm, I'm, a of, I'm getting a it. I'm, a lot of poetry. I opened it up to Musaf. Hold on. It's okay. uh where is it? Um, hold on. Yeah. I'm like Yeah, okay, we'll give you we'll give you Twenty more seconds. When we really begin a new year, it is decided, and when we actually repent, it's determined. Uh, when I read this for the first time. I looked at that as like this is us, like beginning our new year, and then us like deciding to change our fate, kind of thing. Great, great, excellent, excellent. Love that. Thank you. Um, okay, great. So, so we've gone from the personal, and now we're moving towards this bigger vision, which uh, maybe we didn't quite expect. Um, great. So, this is this is the first uh, poetic section, really, of the of the personal Amidah, um, and it uh, the Machzor Lev Shalem, which um, a lot of different conservative synagogues use. Uh, mentions that it might be one of the earliest uh, pieces of poetry inserted 
into the uh, High Holiday Prayer Book, which I think is just interesting. Um, and so what we see here is this, um, this, this section of Amidah that begins as multiple paragraphs, uh, three different paragraphs that each begin with Uvechein. Okay? Uvechein being and then or therefore. <laughs> Interestingly, as you can see, the <laughs> Lev Shalem just writes Uvechein, uh, maybe give you a little Hebrew connection to the English, um, but, it, but it really means and so or and then or and therefore. So um, it's really interesting because you see that, you, you know, we've, we've seen this year in and year out. I never thought anything about it. Um, why do we have this pattern of uvechein? It's not a very inspiring word. It's not very poetic to say, and therefore, and therefore, and therefore. And I was doing some looking and I found a really interesting um, thing about the, 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 the source for this word uvechein. Okay, so... Um, great. We're going to skip that. Um, does anyone, let's see, do you mind, uh, I'm not getting names right now. Oh yes. Hand up. I see a hand, Norman. Do you have your hand up or is that accidental? No, that was intentional. The three paragraphs are sure. related to each other. Yes. There's universal one is, as I recall for the Jews and one for the pious among us. Right. Good. We can, we can, um, we can, even more complexify that, but yeah, that's a really good summary. Um, excellent. So there's an interesting thing about Uvechein. So I'll just read this one. This this is from Esther. Um, you didn't know that there was some Purim uh, as part of your Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, but she says at the point where Mordechai tells her about the decree against the Jews, um, and and he says, you know, who knows if you were made for, or if you were put in this position to uh, step in at this moment. And so he says, go assemble all the Jews who live in Shushan and fast in my behalf. But this is what Esther says back to to Mordechai. Go and fast in my behalf. Do not eat or drink three days, night or day. I and my maidens will observe the same fast. And then it says, So it says, and then I will go into the king, to, to, I will go to, to the king, uh, um, not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So it's really, it's really um, kind of an, an interesting um, cross-reference in the, in the poem. What do, people, what do people get from that um, from that uh, kind of use of uvechein and in the context here, is there anything that like um, you think makes it more related to, is related to Rosh Hashanah or how you might relate it to Yom Kippur Rosh Hashanah? Therefore, say it again. Oh, oh, you're you're Sorry. unmuted. I just I thought it. I was muted, but it's not. Oh, now you are muted. I'm sorry. There. Now you're it's not a therefore in this case. It's not a because you're fasting for me and praying for me, I will go to the king. It is after this happens, I'll go to the king. Right. And it's, yeah, it's like you could say, and so um, is maybe another possible translation. Uh, yeah, you're right. Maybe not. It's not a therefore exactly. So maybe that's not the best translation. And so um what, why, why do you think the poet, the poet would have used uvechein in this thing for the high holidays that seemingly has no connection um, 
you know, related to the content of what she says, of what Esther is saying here. Anything? Uh, Denise, you had your hand up? Yeah, so I think the part that's in bold, where it says, I shall go to the king, though it's contrary to law, if I perish, I shall perish. But we all know it worked out, right? She went and we got redeemed and everything's great. And so maybe that's meant to be kind of aspirational in the Rosh Hashanah service that you can approach God and it's going to work out. And there's, I know in Chabad, they have this saying in Elul that like the king is in the fields, that God is among us and you can ask for anything. And it's, it's like considered to be a time of accessibility. Yes. Great. Oh, that's great, Denise. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. Um, but that because we know the ending, <laughs> right? We know that it's going to be successful in this story, that it's sort of hinting that we're going to be successful, obviously, you know, like, which is great. We kind of got a, 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 a positive spoiler, as it were, um, embedded in Vachain. Yes, Taryn? Vachain feels very contracty to me. Sure. Like, you know, yeah. all those thuses, therefore thus. In Thus, the two parties will say such and such and such. It's so place, yes. Yeah, and I'm really starting to think as much as like uh, Shavuot is seen as sort of the wedding between God and the Jewish people. I'm really starting to think that there's like sort of here, these are like the, 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 this is the part of the contract that like, because we're, we're crowning you our king. Right. Like, these are the things that are required for you to do just like we have things to do as your subjects. Great. Great. That is great because, and I think also it's in there too. Esther is requiring something of the King. She's going to go ask him to not, you know, to reverse the decree or to send out a decree that, that allows them to defend themselves. Um, and, and we also have our own decree, you know, our own requests that we're going, um, that we're bringing towards the King or towards God. Um, any other connections people see or anything else? Okay. So I'll just add to that. I think it's really interesting. I, yeah, go ahead. Someone. I just want to hello to me. I want oh, to say hi. one thing. Um, I just think it's interesting that the word avadity is used um, because it means to actually lose something. And so, yes, it's been, it's been translated here as perish, but I think that very often when we think about, um, liturgy on the high holidays, we feel like if we don't get in every word or if we don't do everything exactly the way we're supposed to do it, we're somehow losing or missing out on an opportunity. And what Esther is showing us here is that you just have to, you have to go for it. Um, and you have to try to at least be present. And then, and then sure, if something is lost, then it's lost. But, but mm-hmm. what's, what's actually important is the fact that you showed up and that you were present. Yes. For sure. And I think, yeah, you showed up in that you, you know, you, you tried to risk something, you know, like not, not like something huge, but like you gave a little bit uh, of your heart, you put yourself out there and, and showing up in some way might be, uh, um, you know, might be risk enough or like showing your vulnerability enough to show up sometimes uh, might be that, but yeah, definitely, definitely. I really, I like that a lot. Um, And I'll say too that, there's there's the idea that um, we're, we're gonna we're gonna request these things of you, God, even though like we maybe we shouldn't, <laughs> maybe we don't deserve to, or maybe we you know we do it every year and maybe we take it for granted, and somehow it's like not not kadat, it's not according to 
the, the you know the law to the letter of the law but we have to go beyond the letter of the law to approach god and we have to say even though we are not really you know even though we're not perfect and we shouldn't be able to approach you we're going to do it we we have to do it it's 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 um it's necessary great okay cool so enough of that uh cross things but i just thought that's so interesting that this thing from esther is is weaving its way through High holidays. Yes, Rabbi Shots. I have a question. Um, the is it just the connection from the word uvechein, or any other words from the Esther piece also in that passage? Uh, I mean, Hamelech probably is somewhere in there. But if I you go back to the path, go back to the passage. Yeah, second. yeah, yeah. I can. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Yeah, no, that was okay. Wait, yeah, just okay. choose choose one or the other. Okay, okay, um, okay. okay. No, so it doesn't say Avo. I just, I don't know. It's just interesting. Like, Avo is used in other places in um, High yeah. Holiday liturgy, but it's mm-hmm. not here. I was just curious if that was the only word that they were connecting, and it seems right. like it might be. For sure. For sure. Okay, cool. It was worth, worth, worth an investigation, a. Sorry, a, I could have done that. If you will, to investigate. Anyway, um, bad, bad rabbinical school joke. Sorry, everyone. Um, I can't help it. Okay, great. So someone want to read this first paragraph in English and we can, uh, you know, elucidate a little bit more what we were talking about. Yes. Is someone. I just was saying, make it, I was trying to, I'm going to make this, just make it bigger. Yep. How's that? Okay. Michael, did you want to read or is that, okay, go ahead. Thank you for making it bigger, by the way. Oh, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Adonai our God instill your awe in all you have made in fear of you in all you have created so that you have fashioned revere you all you have created bow in recognition and be bound together carrying out your will wholeheartedly for we know that true sovereignty is yours power and strength are in your hands and your name is to be revered beyond any of your creations. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So if we were to, what are, what are some things we're seeing here? What's um, general themes and specific, uh, specific visions that we're seeing in this first paragraph? Well, to be in awe of God. Right. Fearful. I don't, scared is the wrong word. Sure. Highly respectful and reverential. That's probably the better description. Definitely. Great. So we have this combination of, of awe and fear and reverence, um, which are all intertwined. And maybe, you know, this year, which is both fear and awe. Um, yes. Uh, let's see, Norm and then Rachel. I think that in this paragraph, we're asking God to take his rightful sovereignty over all of the people in the world, over all of the other gods in the world. He's the one true God. And he should be, he should cause himself to be recognized by the whole world as the one true God. Great. Universal. Great. Excellent. Okay. So it's good. And, uh, and I, and I think it's interesting that, um, you said like the one true God of all the gods in the world, right there, there's kind of different ideas of what, you know, maybe, maybe we're talking about like other things people worship or, you know, in the Bible, there is kind of this. God is the, the the best one of all your other ones. So it's also just interesting that you mentioned that. But, you know, great. 
Um, other other themes, other things we've seen, we've seen fear and awe, and we've seen God being the true sovereign. Um, anything else here? Yes. Um, who, sorry, I don't see your names because of the screen share, but uh, whoever's raising their hand, feel free to unmute. Oh, sorry. I, I, Renee, sorry about that. Try it one more time. I think that it's also there's a the reminder that um, Hashem did all these great things for us, but in spite of all the great things for us that's been done, that He's reminding us that He's still the the greatest of the great. Great, excellent. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's it's Muhammad Ali. I'm the greatest. Um, except you know, Lahav deal without the boxing gloves. Without the boxing gloves and, you know, not just to completely separate that, but just that's what made me think of. Um, excellent. And I think also that within the reverence and the fear, there's, there's an underlying thing that people don't. That there are people in the world who don't have the awe or the fear of the divine, um, you know, which may manifest itself in, in their behavior. Because I think really... The fear and the awe that is um, that is spoken about, uh, you know, in, in in Judaism is really about doing the right thing. It, I mean, ultimately, that's what it's about. If you if you believe and you have a sense of godliness in your life and an awe for existence and what God has made and created, then then you're going to act right, right. And so, the text is acknowledging a world that where people don't act right a lot. Many people, perhaps, um, and and so that's why we need the tikkun, the this this restoration. Um, great. Okay. Any other thoughts on this one? We can move on to the the next level of redemption, level two. It's just like Super Mario. <laughs> uh, great. Okay. We'll go on to the next then. Excellent. Okay. So the next uvachem, we're kind of continuing the movement, you could say, like Esther towards. Towards God, towards the King. So the next Uchen. Uh, who wants to read this? Dad, Dad, you read it. I want to hear Mark Koplinski. <laughs> this Uvachin, bestow honor to your people, Adonai. Praise to those who revere you. Hope to those who seek you. Recognition to those who await you. Joy to your land and gladness to your city. May the light of David, your servant, dawn, and the lamp of the son of Jesse, your anointed, be kindled speedily in our day. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks, Dad. Um, okay. What are, our, what are our big takeaways from this? What's the themes we see, um, repeated motifs and ideas here? Feel free to just unmute if you want to chat. Well, the reward if you follow the ways of God. The minute I say that, of course, two people speak over each other. Uh, yes, the reward if you follow the ways of God. Okay, great. Say, say a little bit more, Michael. Uh, maybe just elaborate slightly. Um, well, it's constantly saying that if you were, for example, in the second line, praise to those who revere you, or down further on, uh, I'm trying to find a, pert- a pertinent here. Um, hope to those who seek oh, you. Yeah, I hope to those who seek you. Recognition for those who await you. In other words, if you respect, if you revere God, there's a life and hope on this world for you. 
So yeah. it's two-way street. Great, great. Awesome. I love that. I, it also makes me think, in the first paragraph, we implicitly acknowledge that there are many people not achieving their full potential, let's say, um, that there's a lot of, you know, not good in the world. And there's a lot of people who don't have that fear of the divine. Um, and in this one, we're also acknowledging that the people who do don't always get a reward. And we want to see them get their just desserts, as it were. Okay, great. That's Wait. interesting because I don't see that we want to have reward for the pious. I think it's this is a very national Jewish prayer. This is saying restore honor to your people. That's yeah. us. Great. No. Of, of David ben Yishab, the Hamashichecha, David the son of Jesse, your servant, your Messiah. Um, may that light be kindled speed in the This is asking for restoration of the Davidic kingdom and uh, for the Messiah to come and the right. restored to Israel. That's great. Enjoy your land, that's Israel. I'm glad to see your city. That's Jerusalem. Right. No, great. Okay, great. So I, I really like that because I see, I, and I'm seeing it too, that this is a more um, national vision, right? It does. You don't, I'm not, you don't have to be a Hasid. You don't have to be um, the most righteous person in the world, but that just the people who have hope in God and, have, um, you know, who, who do revere God, they don't have to be perfect, but that they should get some kind of, you know, that they can see the Messiah come. But yeah, I see that definitely, that there is this national uh, redemption scene here. Great. Love that, Norm. Yes, Tarn. So continuing with sort of that power exchange vibe, sometimes okay. we see people, like, when we talk about submission and being submissive to God in this case. Like sometimes we see submission as a bad thing, as a as something that's weak or something that we shouldn't be doing. Right. But this is like reminding us that like actually this power exchange thing like honors us too. And like as much as we're saying this to remind God, we're also saying this to remind us that like we're actually not weak or bad or like like all of these things we're doing for God, like this is great. And this is like, we're, we're going to have that energy here for us. Great. Excellent. Okay. That's very interesting. Yeah. That, that some of the submitting that we do, um, especially in the high holidays, there is a sense of like giving yourself in, you know, finally like letting your guard down and finally receiving and, 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 you know, dealing with what, with your, with what you've, you've done and, and what you want to do, um, that there's a reward for that too. It's not weak. It actually is honorable. Um, that's very cool. That's very cool. I like that. Okay. Um, I, I, Karen, right, Karen, I, you had your hand up or did I get your name wrong? I can't see names because of the screen share. Um, you were on last night in the blue shirt. Is it Bonnie? Bonnie. 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 Ah, I get that wrong. I'm sorry. I don't know how I got this. Apologies. So it seems to me in both verses so far, there's a role that God plays. In the first one, we ask yeah. him to instill on us. We need that kind of help. Great. Um, and in in this current verse, we're talking about we want him to bestow. We we need his help to um to do the these things to, to recognize, uh, to bring hope. Yeah. Excellent. 
Sorry. Right. That's a really important reminder that, oh, sorry. From both of us. God, God, God has his role to play in our redemption in mm-hmm. us to go forward with what we need to do. Great. Excellent. Right. So it's not, it's not, um, th- th- this, this prayer is not solely putting it on us, right? We, we acknowledge that even if we are to make the world that we want to see, even if, um, you know, s- people who have, who have not behaved well, return to goodness, um, God's going to have to help in that because just like, uh, just like the comment that we had, like, do you really think the world can be redeemed? Um, we're going to need some help. <laughs> we really can't, you know, we've tried and tried and tried. We can't do it alone. Um, that's great. Right. And God really is the, the subject of both of these paragraphs. We're asking bestow honor. Right. And, and like you said, excellent. Instill fear. Um, good. Anything else? Um, anybody else? Cool. Okay. So I just show you that just a, a little, so there's a little reference also built into this. Um, just to kind of like show how the poetry uh, functions and brings us uh, other parts of the Torah. Um, so we said, let me just go back to this. We said, let me unzoom. Great. So, so we said, you know, bring joy to the land and gladness to your city, and um, and may the 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 flowering of the redemption of David your servant, the horn literally, but the, here it says the lamp. Okay, so that's another translation. The lamp of the son of Jesse anointed. Oh no, sorry. The light of David. So the Karen is the horn of light. That's one translation. And the Arichat Ner Leveni Shai. Mishichecha, right, which is the lamp that we want to light of, of the son of Yishai, your anointed, soon may it come. So that's just a, a nod here to the Psalms, which, 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 is, which is also very similar to the last blessing that we have in, um, or the last uh, request style blessing in our weekday Amidah, which is that we see this horn of light, that this light should flower, and that we should see the redemption, Matzmiach Karen Yeshua, that God causes the the light of redemption to flower, to bud. Um, so that comes from Psalms, Shamatzmiach Karen LeDavid, Arachti Ner Limshichi. So there I will make a horn sprout for David, or either, it's very unclear exactly what that means, but I like the horn of light idea. Um, I have prepared a lamp for my anointed one. So both of these as metaphors for um, an arising new era. Take what you will from that. <laughs> um, great. Okay. Excellent. Um, good. Let's go on to the next one. Um, okay. Who wants to read this this one? Volunteers. Okay. I'll read it. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Uvachain, the righteous, beholding this will rejoice. The upright will be glad. The pious will celebrate with song. Evil will, evil will be silenced. And all wickedness will disappear like smoke. When you remove the tyranny of arrogance from the earth. Do you want me to read the last two lines? Um, let's start with this first. Not yet. Not yet. You, we'll, we'll bring you back because there's a little bit more underneath. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, tricked you okay 
All I can say to that paragraph is halavai. Halavai, if only, if only. No, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. Um, great. So this paragraph is bringing a little bit more of the the celebration that will ensue, right? That that you know that there's going to be this great moment, this real festival, you know, on our festival day, on our Rosh Hashanah, um, or whenever the redemption may be. Um, we'll be able to to have these righteous folks celebrate. And I do think, Norman, you're right, that there is a little bit of a distinction between the folks, the folks, the people who, who revere you, right, your people, or just your people, as well as those who revere you, as well as those who seek you. You could even maybe even see that there's, even within that, maybe a slight hierarchy. Just your people in general, those who revere you and those who seek you. Um, or those who await you. I don't know. There's, there's lots of different levels there. Um, this one, I think, right, is is really mamash, uh, a little bit more of, of like the true, like the righteous who really need, want to get their just desserts and haven't gotten it. Um, now, that's the first half of it. The second half of this celebration is related to the silencing or the end of evil and wickedness. And my favorite line ever we need to read it in Hebrew because uh, it's just great Kitavir Zadon for you will have passed away the the kingship of arrogance or the tyranny of arrogance from the earth um, that was uh, reverberating for me a lot last year when I was uh, leading high holidays in New Orleans and uh, in a kind of world in a, in a political situation where there felt like there was a lot of uh, this kind of memshelid zadon, uh, a lot of arrogance, a lot of, um, you know, not, you know, caring about oneself and not really anybody else. Uh, I'll leave that be. Um, so, so the, the two parts is the celebration and the celebration is connected to the end of evil wickedness and arrogance. Any, any thoughts uh, on that? Anything people are seeing? beyond that. So I just want to bring really quick, if we can, because I, because this is great. And it's, I found it because it's referenced in Maxor Lev Shalem, the you know, conservative movements, uh, Maxor. Um, it, it references a uh, sugya from the Talmud. We shouldn't have a, uh, a lesson, a Torah, a Torah shiur at, at Betham or any synagogue without a little bit of Talmud thrown in um, just to spice it up. So great. So there's this great sugya in Brachot about um, Rabbi Meir. So I'll, I'll read a, a little bit. So there were these hooligans, Biryone, um, in Rabbi Meir's neighborhood who caused him a great deal of anguish. Rabbi Meir prayed for mercy on them that they should die. So I don't know if it's really prayed for mercy. By Rachame means just like prayed on them that they should die. Um, but they use the word mercy. So Rabbi Mayer, you know, this great sage wanted these hooligans to die. Seems natural, very human people who are, ter- you know, beating you up and messing up your life. Yeah, they should die. Um, but Rabbi Mayer's wife, Ruria, one of the great female characters of the Talmud said to him, what is your thinking? My datach, what, what do you, What's, what's, what's your logic behind praying this way? She must have overheard him, uh, which is kind of fun. Um, so she says, what is your thinking? As it is written, 
Let sins cease from the land. Yitamu chata'im. Is it written chot'im? Is it written sinners? Or is it just written sins? Um, sins is written, right? That's what she says. So she's very, uh, she's a very learned Talmudist, um, which is awesome. So moreover, go to the end of the verse, and the wicked will be no more. Urshaim od enam. If transgressions shall cease, she's doing a great logical argument, how is it possible that the wicked will be no more? Right? That's sort of her rhetorical question. Like, it's either one or the other. Is it going to be the the sins or the sinners who are going to perish? Rather, pray for mercy on them that they should repent. Pray that they should repent instead of praying that they should die. So again, that that comes back to our... um, to, to the, 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 the first addition we had for Rosh Hashanah, which is that the Sefer Chaim, right? Chafetz Chaim, God desires life, right? It's in the book of life because you are the God of life, right? And, that, and Ezekiel says, it's not my desire that anyone should die, but that they should repent and live. So Bruria brilliantly schools her, you know, brilliant rabbi husband um, uh, and and says, you shouldn't pray for them to die. You should pray for the sins to end, which is, you know, like a very uh, enlightened, um, you know, way of, of thinking about it. And the text here, if you'll remember, doesn't say that evil people will be silenced or evil people really more like evil people will be will disappear like smoke or you'll remove evil people from the earth. You'll remove the evil, right? The hope is that we we believe, sometimes in spite of all evidence, um, that the person themselves can find a way to, to change. Now, in reality, that might not always be the case, and it's not always healthy to hope for that. But in an ideal way, we believe that the essential person um can bring, you know, can return to their goodness, and that it's the evil itself that should be um, removed, Um, which is just a really interesting reminder, because naturally, we tend to think of people as they're a jerk, or they're great, or I like them, or I don't like them. And that's, that's completely natural. Um, But it's also the behaviors that we really are, we might think, oh, well, it's really the behaviors that I'm having trouble with. You know, maybe underneath the essential person, um, I don't, that, that's not what should be my target, but the behavior should be the target. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, great. And then we sort of reach the, uh, the climax um, of, the, of the piece. Does someone want to finish us off with this section? I can uh, I can go. I thought you were coming back to me. Oh yeah, please. Oh, so sorry. Oh no, I'm, I guess I'm fired. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it was, get out. It was really good to be a resident, Bethan. Thank you so much. I'll just see my you way out. You lasted a you lasted a whole twenty five days. Okay. <laughs> you alone, Adonai, will rule all your creation from Mount Zion, the dwelling place of your glory, and from Jerusalem, your holy city. As it is written in the book of Psalms, Adonai will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, from generation to generation, hallelujah. You are holy and your name is revered, for there is no God but you. 
As your prophet Isaiah wrote, Adonai Tzvaot will be exalted through justice, the holy God sanctified through righteousness. Baruch Adonai, the holy sovereign. Amazing. Awesome. Um, great. What's, what's, the, what's the vision here? What's, uh, what's the sort of climax of this, uh, of this vision? How, how would we describe it? Well, it's the, it's the uh, foreshadowing of the messianic era. Yeah, definitely. To put it to put it briefly and correctly, yes, exactly right. Um, and again, we have that return to Hartzion, right? To you know, which is referencing the temple on on Mount Zion um, and Jerusalem, your holy city. And again, God is ruling over all creation, which again is that. You know, as Tara was talking about that power dynamic, that we're doing a little bit more submitting um, to that, and the world's submission to God's kingship is the transformation of of our behavior and the world's behavior to goodness. Um, you know, I think again, we we can get really caught up in the metaphors of of king, of sovereign, of queen. You know, as you as you will. Um, but I think the reason for it is because it's the metaphor for someone that you will follow who brings out the best in you, right? And uh, and we want to see that vision in the world. And then we have another reference this time explicitly to Isaiah, um, which is Adonai Tzavu'ot will be exalted through justice, the holy God through righteousness. So again, that is the ultimate aim, right? It's not just the, not just, you know, all the, all the fear, all the um, restoration of reward to those who deserve it and the restoration of, of, of Zion and the celebration of Tzadikim and the end of evil, all of it is to serve justice and righteousness, right? That is the ultimate uh, climax. And um, we, we bring that Melech idea back into the, uh, into the blessing during during this season, we once Rosh Hashanah starts, we say Hamelech Hakadosh instead of Ha'el Hakadosh, the God who is holy or the, the you know the one and only distinct, uh, as Rabbi Elliot Dorf likes to say, holy other than us, um, which which is another way of thinking of it. Um, but in this case, we we bring that, that kingship into play. Um, excellent. I let's see what else we have. Right. So here's the. Um, and again, we had that built in as well, which we know um, from uh, from the from the Kedusha, um, you know, from the, the, the third section of the Amidah, um, we have this God will will reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. Um, excellent. So I think we'll stop there. I had, you know, one other little continuation in case we needed it. Um, but, um, what do we, uh, what, what's, what's sort of the, the takeaway from this? What, um, how, how do you feel about this vision? How might you alter it? How does it resonate with you or, or not resonate with you? Anyone have any, any thoughts about, and, and how might this kind of put you in a different, in a, another headspace for the, for the high holidays? I think this prayer gives us a balance between looking at God as a universal God who created the whole world, who runs everything, and being our God, the God of the Jewish people, God of yes. Israel. 
That's great. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, yeah, excellent. I, I will, uh, because you said it, there's, there's a quote in the, in the Mafsar as well. It's great. Um, from Martin Buber, who is a great, uh, theologian in, uh, early, late, late uh, 19th, early 20th century. Um, who said the purpose of creation is not division nor separation. The purpose of the human race is not a struggle to the death between classes, between nations. Humanity is meant to become a single body. Our purpose is the great upbuilding of unity and peace. And when all the nations are bound together in one association, living in justice and righteousness, they atone for each other, which is such an interesting line. Now that's obviously emphasizing the universal uh, part, which Martin Buber is very much about, but he's also very much about the particular, even though that, uh, that, that one emphasizes that universal future. Um, yeah, Rabbi Schatz. Um, I just want to, I totally agree with Norm and that's what I was thinking, uh, before he, before he mentioned it. The thing that I think is so interesting in a lot of high holiday liturgy, and those of you who have davened with me have heard me say this probably too much. Um, but I real I love when in liturgical moments, you both see yourself as um, as a as a thing that has been created and also part of the creation. And so what we see in this is in the first paragraph or the way that you broke it down in the first paragraph, you see that God is doing the action in the second paragraph. You're seeing that God needs to listen to God's creations while they're doing action. And then in the third, there's partnership and how to create that relationship together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I appreciate when we're not just thinking of kind of God on a throne or God as something that's so distant, right. it's hard for us to attain, especially on the high holidays yeah. um, when we spend so much time davening. And this is it shows how there can be that distance or a little bit of a teaser for our slichot service. There can also be that intimacy um, and bringing that together is where the real relationship comes into play. Plus the themes here tie very similarly into the Elenu. Yes. And Musaf comes almost right after it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. No, definitely. And I also, the more I read this, the more I thought, Oh, this is an Elenu if you don't know, was written for Rosh Hashanah. It just became part of the liturgy of, of, of every service because it was so popular, um, I think, in the 14th century or something like that, but uh, or maybe earlier, maybe 10th, 11th, I can't remember. Um, so, yeah, it really is like that whole idea of the kingship of God, of the, of the you know, destruction of evil from the world. Though I think, interesting, Alenu may specifically say it wants to destroy the evildoers as well. Um, but, but more than that, it actually wants everybody to join in serving God, whatever that may uh, mean. Any, uh, any other uh, thoughts? Yes, Taryn? I think the thing that's really on my mind with this is just that, like, I know that my, like, standard operating procedure 99% of the year is to see the divine as, like, this thing that's super universal and super like, yes, it desires to contribute to you totally with no point of view. And that's for everyone. Um, but like actually on the high holidays, even, even the more so, like I actually need that personal God, that, that queen on the throne wearing the skinny jeans and the combat boots who's super approachable, who can kick my butt if needed. 
Like I actually require that. And like, it's okay to need that. Lovely. I, I, I love, and we should uh, maybe all, I don't know. Well, it's certainly something to strive for to be, to have that kind of specificity for the vision that, uh, that you need of God. So thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Um, any other, any other thoughts before we wrap up? I think uh, it's pretty much time. Um, yeah. So I just hope that, that some of this vision will kind of amplify and, uh, and give a little bit more perspective and, and start to see also, even though every holiday, you know, sort of prays for redemption. Thank you. Yes. I didn't need to keep screen sharing. Um, even though every holiday we pray for redemption in some way, shape or form, I think it's interesting to think of Rosh Hashanah, which is the birthday of the world, Hayom Harat Olam, the day of, at least the day of conception of the world, that um, we are trying to conceive a new world as well, right? It's not just that the world was born this day, but we are bringing it to bear. And that within our Amidah, we see some of the hope, some of the vision for um, the ideal of what this new year can hold. And, um, and we can, uh, you know, hold that in our hearts and, um, you know, see the different ways that it speaks to us and how we might envision it similarly and differently. Um, and I hope that that will be um, helpful and, and guide a little bit more of your own personal davening. Just a reminder that, that this poem is in, I think, every Amidah, I think every Amidah during Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Um, and so it's going to come up a lot. So I hope that it will be um, like a, a nice standard, something to hang your hat on uh, when you get to those silent moments um, of prayer. And and, uh, and I hope it will amplify your experience and make it meaningful. Denise, you had something just before we go. Yeah, I just never thought about redemption before in this context. That's and great. I love it. It's like. I don't know. It just, it's like different than forgiveness and repentance and like all the standard things like this just kind of puts it in a new light. And I'm like excited to be there thinking about redemption. Oh, I love that. Uh, well, we, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear that from you. Um, and, and me too, honestly. So uh, I can't thank you enough for that comment. And um, I hope uh, it gives us a new dimension for our Rosh Hashanah and uh and something to to strive for. Amen. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.